Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> we started right at the same time. Yes, we did. And it's a, it's the AM. Yeah, a little too early for my liking, but it is what it is. Uh, yeah. Remember um, all that bullshit with uh, Sherlock Holmes and mm. uh, the estate and Netflix? I do. Seems like they uh, came to some sort of a settlement. As a surprise to nobody. <laughs> yeah. They didn't uh, disclose anything, like any of the specifics or whatever, but... But yeah, not not really surprising, but I don't know. I think we talked about it when this news was first around. It seems like maybe that estate isn't the nicest. No, let's be honest. This is um, this is a cash grab at every opportunity. Yeah, I think so too. So it's yeah. I, I'm guessing Netflix probably just quietly gave them. Some chunk of change and said, "Here, fuck off." Yeah, that's that's exactly how I feel. It went down. <laughs> like they were probably like, "Yeah, here, take your shit and get out." <laughs> yeah, not really much to this other than in the least surprising news ever, this didn't go to court. Yeah, real real shocker. Yep, pretty much. I, I for, totally forgot Henry Cavill was in that movie. I still haven't watched it. It just doesn't look very appealing to me. No, and like to be honest, I probably won't watch it. No, but, me neither. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, it looks like we have official confirmation that the Book of Boba Fett is happening. Yeah. So they. Uh, I think it was last week we talked about that big Disney dump. Mm -hmm. And they left this out of that uh, specifically because... um, So this is spoilers if you haven't watched The Mandalorian. Um, But the very last episode has a post credit scene where they announced this. So, And that came out after they did that announcement. So they left it out. And then announced it that way. Interesting. That's a different way of going about it. Yeah. And it makes sense because... Um, again, spoilers if you haven't watched The Mandalorian, but uh, Boba Fett's in it, so. Didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they're gonna, seems like they're gonna kind of make, like, a limited kind of season with him, which I'm alright with. Yeah, I'm sure Star Wars fans the world over are pretty excited about this. Yeah. They, uh, they did a pretty good job with him in The Mandalorian, so. I'm I'm alright with this. It's uh it's kinda cool how they're tying stuff into that Mandalorian. So. I feel like it's all gonna tie in eventually given like the ridiculous slate of Star Wars movies coming to Disney Plus or shows I mean. Yeah. Yep, pretty much. So but yeah. I thought it was kinda cool that they left it out of that announcement and kinda let John Favreau and crew kinda make their own announcement. I thought that was nifty. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. And it, it was funny because I saw this news and I was like, what, there was a post-credit scene? That I totally, like, I turned off the show before the, the credits, like, finished and I actually didn't see it. I'll have to keep an eye out for it when I finally sit down <laughs> to watch The Mandalorian. Yeah, fair enough. 
But yeah. Star Wars. They're mm. doing a lot of it. Other quickie news here. It looks like the uh stimulus bill that the United States government is releasing is gonna give a little bit of a boost to the T V and film industry. Mm. Yeah. What does it say here? Fifteen billion in grants for live entertainment venues and theaters. So I don't know what the split is, but it seems like there's companies with five hundred full time employees or fewer. So I don't know if like the big chains, like if they would fall into that or not. It doesn't really sound like the AMC is really covered there, but you never know. Yeah, and I'm says here that it works out to about fifteen hundred theater operators. So or about sixty percent of the total US theater business, so huh. What I'm more concerned about is how like I'm all for them supporting the theaters and sticking that stuff in there, but the talk of the town for a while there was that when they uh wrote up this bill they uh snuck some stuff in there one of it being the protecting lawful streaming act which would basically mean if you stream anything that you don't pay for i.e if you stream a netflix show and you don't have a netflix account that is now a full-blown felony oh yes yeah and there's uh yeah i remember hearing about that um because that also ties into like streaming video games and stuff too, like mm-hmm. some of the music rights around that stuff, and like, yeah, that is, uh, that's no good. No, it's a it's a slippery slope. I mean, they already kind of smashed out their net neutrality down there when they let Aja put or Pite or whatever take office there and basically say that you know. There's no such thing as net neutrality, and he doesn't support it. And yeah. this is just uh, one step further. I mean, it's already illegal to illegally download and pirate movies. We get that, but like, this is taking that from a okay misdemeanor and a fine to like you stream something and you could serve jail time. Yeah, yeah, that seems a little excessive. Well, all it means is the next stop once. This doesn't work because, I mean, let's be honest here. Pirates are going to pirate and they're going to figure out a way around this. They always have. They always will. But that means the next step is they're going to... Realistically, I don't think we're too far off from them sneaking in other bills that basically allow internet service providers to go, we know this site allows illegal streaming and block it service-wide. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where... People are maybe going to have to get creative with a VPN. Yeah, well, the the problem is if it's blocked service-wide, even if you use a VPN, it'll be hard to get around it in some cases. And it's a slippery slope because if you let the internet service providers decide what they deem to be illegal content, it wouldn't be that difficult for them to block YouTube, especially if they were doing it through some sort of you know, AI or machine learning thing that goes, oh, this is copyrighted material and it's on this site, auto-block. Yeah. And all of a sudden you have people waking up and they can't go on YouTube or they can't go on Vimeo, you know, services that people use every day. 
someone posts a video on Twitter that they don't own the rights to and it's more than 30 seconds, boom, Twitter blocked. Yeah. It's just a dangerous game. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you start, like you say, AI and like automating that. Like you see how not good that works with like YouTube monetization and stuff. Like how like it just auto flag stuff, right? Mm -hmm. People are just like, what the fuck? Why is this? Why did your AI flag this? You know? And then it's like months to get it sorted out. Like, yeah. 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 Yes, we're, uh, we're entering the cusp of what direction we're going to take here. And hopefully we make the right one. The problem is, is that it seems like the people that are in charge that are making the decisions are, you know, for lack of a better term, geriatric old white men. Yeah, pretty much. People who wouldn't know how to turn on Netflix if they, uh, if they wanted to, so they don't care. Yeah, pretty much. Be curious. I don't. I don't know that this would have. Because this is in the states, so I'd be curious if Canada does something similar. Yeah, we're not too far off. There was a a strong push by Bell and Rogers and a couple others up here in Canada to form a coalition that was funded by the government but involved absolutely no government supervision. Which well, that would, always works out. Yeah, which would basically allow Bell to go, hey, this website streams illegal content, and essentially Bell would get to make the decision to block it countrywide. Not even yeah. just for its internet service, but basically Bell would be able to <clears throat> decide for the entire country what they thought was illegal and what they thought wasn't legal and give them full control and no government oversight to completely block any website that they choose and for every provider. So it wouldn't matter if you get your internet from Shaw or Telus or Videotron or whoever. Bell goes, nope, this site's no good, and boom, that's it. You can't access it. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like it either, but unfortunately enough people aren't speaking up. Yeah. A lot of these things happen in secret behind closed doors, so unless you're paying attention to the feeds and the news... And actually listen when the people are talking about it. This stuff is popping up and most people who this would affect have no idea it's even happening. And it's just an incredibly greasy way to go about things. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yes, lots to be worried about in the future. Yes. And then looks like MGM. Uh, which most people are going to recognize because they do bond. That they do. Is uh, maybe looking at selling. Well, let's just speculate right here. Who do you think? Who do you think buys MGM? Warner. You think so? Yeah. I got my money on Amazon. Oh yeah. It would definitely, to me, it would definitely be between Warner and Amazon, but if I was a betting man and who has the capital and who is looking to just bring more to their service, I would not be stunned if Amazon threw in a bid to purchase MGM. Yeah. Yeah, I think when you look at it, Amazon, Warner, and like Disney would probably be the people that could afford it. And I don't think Disney has any, like I, I couldn't see them doing it. They've got way too much going on as it is. Yeah. But 
you know, Amazon adding it to their slate. Warner adding it to their slate, you know, being that they just launched HBO Max and they're really pushing for that. I could mm-hmm. see it going to one of one or one of them. And yeah, because it's it's got a hefty price tag. It's like they're valuing it like right around five billion. Yeah. So which I mean the Bond franchise is worth that. Probably oh, alone. Like five point five billion is what like Amazon made in Q three this year. Yeah. Like this is a drop in the bucket to them. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Interesting to see how that one pans out. Yeah. And I'd be Yeah, I'd be curious how this you know, if this happens and it likely won't happen before the James Bond movie comes out, but because these deals take years to to finalize, right? Mm-hmm. But it'd be it'd be something to you know the headline like Amazon bought MGM, and now the next James Bond, you know, no no time to die, is now on Amazon Prime. <laughs> that would be interesting. So, yeah, I uh, I'd be curious who ends up getting this because I don't see it being any like I don't think Netflix can afford this. No, I don't think so either. I mean, Netflix is like, they just keep spending money and they're not like overly profitable at this point yet. Yeah. And like, I mean, it would, it would definitely be big for Netflix. I mean, that's, that's a great way to add more to Netflix. Be like, yeah, we got, we got James Bond, but I just don't know that they could swing it to be honest. No. And like Netflix has their own, essentially their own like studio, right? Mm -hmm. And I, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Was it not them who were building their own studio in New Mexico? Um, could be. I don't remember. Yeah, I sure. can't remember off the top of my head either. But either which way, like Amazon has some like original movies, but they're most of the time it's like they help fund and it's someone else who does them, and you know they just get a home on Amazon. But I don't know yeah. if Amazon genuinely has like. An in-house studio. Yeah. Yeah, and if that's the case, then, you know, you think of the kind of infrastructure and kind of talent that comes with, you know, MGM infrastructure. You know, that's probably worth quite a bit, too, you know, to Amazon that, you know, maybe doesn't have all of that in place. Mm-hmm. I and think it would be a smart buy, for sure. Yeah. And then... So when Warner announced all that stuff going to HBO Max, day and date, and then the following week, everyone was super pissed. Um, seems like Dune may be saved from going to HBO Max, if this uh, kind of rumor is true. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, it says... Uh, so part of some of those lawsuits, um, they're kind of saying like, I guess the people that are filing it for Dune, basically saying like by putting it on HBO Max, you're poten- like essentially killing the franchise potential, which I don't know that I fully support that argument. I can see parts of it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And then 
but interestingly enough, they're like kind of trying to cite that by the time Dune was supposed to come out, that like everything will just be back to normal. So why put a day and date? Which I think that's ambitious. Yeah, that's incredibly ambitious. I mean, to say that at any point things will be back to normal is pretty wild. I mean, everyone's going hard with the vaccines and parts of the country but i mean i think this is almost going to be a year-long process before things are back the way they were yeah for sure so yeah and like none of this is confirmed but it seems like maybe this is uh maybe tied in with that legendary stuff Mm -hmm. you know with that godzilla vs kong you know because dune i believe is under the legendary house as well I believe so, yes. So, yeah. Yeah, it seems uh, Warner Brothers didn't tell anyone they were doing what they were doing. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, well, un- understandably so. Some people would be pissed off if, you know, they put all this time and effort and marketing into a movie, you know, thinking it's going to have this big theatrical release date, and then all of a sudden you're told, uh, no, actually, we're going to put it on the streaming service. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, then at the same time, like at the end of the day, Warner Brothers owns Legendary and like this is their money they're putting up and they're technically the ones that are planning the release. So yeah, I wouldn't they- say it's outside their rights to decide, hey, you know what? Like, I get it. Like, you know, you're the filmmakers and you're the actors and you want this to be in a the theater, but COVID's a thing. So we're putting it on our streaming platform. Yep, because we have the distribution rates, and you yeah. and you don't. <laughs> well, you know. and you know what? At the end of the day, this just gives it access to more people. Yeah, because like even when things start returning to normal, I don't think. I mean, first and foremost, we have to see if theater chains even exist when things get back to normal. Mm-hmm. So I think you're being mighty hopeful by saying, "Oh, we don't want it on the streaming service because by the time we're supposed to release it in theaters, everything will be back to normal." You know, minus the fact that all these theater chains have closed down, a bunch of them are on the verge of bankruptcy, they're doing debt restructuring, and they're about to close, you know, several screens across the country. Yeah. Right? So it's like, mm, I don't think anyone is in a position to make that argument that it should be, you know, held off from platforms for yeah. the theater thing, because you just, you don't know. Yeah. And then at the same time, it's like, well, you know what, if you're an actor... And you got paid, you, you know, the money you were promised from that film, you have received. And what do you care if it's available to everyone via streaming service or if it goes straight to a theater? Yeah. What does it fucking matter? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think it's like part of it too is like that old mentality of like movies got to be in theaters, right? You know, and it's as we see more stuff go straight to streaming, I think that argument kind of goes out the window. Well, it does, you know, as time progresses, as technology shifts, you have to adapt. And it definitely seems like there are some people that are just unwilling to adapt. You always get the people that are stuck in their old ways. And then you watch those people in those industries that refuse to change with the times fall by the wayside and crumble and go, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Look at Quibi. Look at the fucking Microsoft phone. Yeah, exactly. like you have to be able to adapt and if you don't you're left behind yeah. there's no there's no safety here yeah and it, like it's funny because 
you know, I see some directors, you know, like super outspoken about this. And it reminds me of uh, when Scorsese did The Irishman, you know, and he did it straight to Netflix. You know, and like I was watching an interview with him and he was like, yeah, like him doing that totally like changed his like perspective on it where he was like that movie would have never been made without Netflix, you know, and he was able to do it, you know, and it's like some if someone like him can realize, you know, the change, then maybe everyone else should get on board. Well, and it, it, it honestly, it comes back to, and you see this not just in the film industry, but, you know, in politics and everything, right? You have the old boys clubs who are used to things being a certain way and they, they don't like change. Yeah. They, they resist it. And yeah. they think there's no need for it, you know? Don't broke, don't fix what ain't broke. This is the way it's always been done. Well, just because it's the way it's always been done doesn't necessarily mean it's the right way. It doesn't mean it's the best way. That's yep. just how things have been done up until now. Yep, pretty much. I mean, if we want to live by that logic, let's go back to the days where surgery was performed without anesthesia. Yep. Right? Does anyone want to sit up here and make an argument that, you know, it worked, you can still do it? Why Why not, right? Yeah. Yep. It's That's changing just, with yeah. or without these people. Yeah, so like... Get on board and be at the forefront, be a pioneer of this and capitalize because you were there on the ground floor. Yeah. Or, you know, be legendary pictures and refuse to do this and refuse to put this movie out. Let all the hype die out. And then, you know, a year from now, you finally get your opportunity to put it in theaters. But, you know, instead of 3,000 screens across the United States, you get a plastered on 50 that are only in the major cities and then no one sees your film and you don't make any money from it. And then you killed your fucking franchise opportunity because all of the hype is gone. All the marketing is gone. Yeah. But I mean, you guys do you. Yeah. And it's like uh, the part of this that I do understand is like, because of this is happening and like these movies were marketed before, you know, the pandemic. So it's like, I get that part of it that like, it was supposed to be this theatrical thing beforehand and you're kind of changing lanes, you know, down the highway. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the same time, it's like everyone else has adapted during this, you know, you probably should too. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It'll be interesting to, to see what comes about that legendary and Warner media stuff be curious if all of a sudden a few of those movies are not on HBO Max. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a silly move. I mean, let's be realistic. The future is going to be in-home streaming and video on demand. Yeah. And, I mean, the the probably right answer of how this is going to turn out is Legendary just has to toss enough money at lawyers to tie this up in courts. You know, we're, it just, maybe it doesn't premiere on HBO Max day and date because it's tied up in courts, you know. Yeah, my personal belief is that Legendary is just being absolutely silly about this. I think pushing and holding and praying and waiting for a theatrical release is going to be more detrimental to them than to letting it go on a streaming platform. 
because you're going to limit it. And even if you get the majority of theater chains opening, you're still going to have a large amount of people that are still going to be cautious, that are mm -hmm. accustomed to being able to stream everything at home at a premium and, you know, yep. be able to pause if they want to go to the bathroom and stuff. And yeah, like it's, it's blatantly clear to me anyway, that the theatrical industry is never going to be the same again. Nope. And you know, those holding back with a hope and a wish and a dream, they're not looking at the evidence and the facts and what's happening in front of them. They're, yeah. They're only looking back and they're, they're refusing to look forward and it's going to yeah. be a lot of problems. Yeah. And it's like, it's funny too. Like just do the math on what you can charge for a movie at home versus in the theater. You can charge more at home. Right. And people will pay it. So, mm -hmm. like, people will pay $30 for a day-and-date blockbuster movie at home versus 10 at the theater on opening night, right? Like, you can make more money. No, I, I completely agree. I think a lot of this comes down to people concerned about piracy. If something ends up on a video on demand, it doesn't take long for someone to upload that onto a site for others to pirate, which I understand. Yeah. But you also have to think that there's a large amount of people out there that pirate, not necessarily because that's their go-to choice, but because they don't have another choice, right? Like if yeah. you're, you know, in another country and you don't, you know, there is no movie theater nearby, you can't go see it in a movie theater, you're going to pirate. But, you know, maybe you have an HBO Max and it's available in all these countries and now you don't need to be concerned about throwing on a VPN and downloading a movie file and hoping it's not a virus and like all of that rigmarole and all the work that goes into that because look now it's available you can you yeah. can watch it you can pay for it rent it at home yeah people that would happily pay for it but don't have the opportunity to right yeah i feel like that's that's a good portion if not like at least half of the people out there that are pirating it's not necessarily about just wanting to steal it's the fact that that's the only way that they can get access to some of this stuff because theatrical releases just aren't there. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough. But you do you, Legendary. You do you. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, yeah. Last bit of news. Wonder Woman 3 is officially a go with Patty Jenkins. Yeah. The least surprising news ever. Yeah, I mean, we kind of all saw this coming. Yeah, so. And it. When they announced this too, they uh, kind of gave some stats on the opening, which I thought was kind of interesting. It, it didn't make a lot in theaters. Uh, 16.7 million opening. And it was in 2,100 theaters. And then they said, was it nearly half of all the people on HBO Max watched it on premiere date? And. HBO Max currently has like 12.5 million people, so a lot of people watched it. Yeah, that's that's a good chunk. Yeah. I can't say that the um, box office numbers are surprising. I mean, 2,100 screens sounds like a lot, but at the same time, like the majority of them are closed in North America. Yeah, that's and probably like... That's, that's where the money comes from. Yeah. Oh. Like that's probably maybe one-fourth of all theaters. Yeah. So. But yeah. Nothing too surprising here. Like, hey, those movies do well if they're making more. Mm-hmm. 
So. Yeah. Well, speaking of Wonder Woman, that's what you watched this week. How was it? It was good. Yeah, I really liked it. It was uh, it was more Wonder Woman. It like it's um similar to that first movie where it was just kind of like this is a kind of good time superhero movie. Um, like there was a few issues, like some of the CGI that maybe could have touched up a little bit more. But was it as bad as uh, Justice League CGI? No, God, no. Um, but it was just some of the parts with Cheetah. I was just like, oh, that you could have maybe baked that in the oven a little bit more. Um, but like overall, I had a really good time with it. I was like. I wanted more Wonder Woman, and I got it. So, yeah, if you're looking for more of that, check it out. Well, that's good. I'm excited. It's on. It's on my list, and I, I had every intention to watch it, but just life kind of got in the way. Moving home and Christmas and all that jazz. Yeah, you know it's uh it's totally solid. Like it's, I don't think it's as good as the first one, but it's good. Like I kind of uh, think of it kind of like Aquaman, where I was just like, "This is a really good time," you know. It's nothing spectacular. It's not like Avengers Endgame, you know. But it's here's a solid superhero movie with that, you know. It's here's Wonder Woman fighting the bad guy, right, and saving the day, you know. Mm. And that's that's what you're getting, you know, and the 1980s kind of era stuff you know seems to be super hot right now so if you like that kind of era it's good so yeah it was uh it was good i i quite enjoyed it and how's the stand that one's up on my list right now i'm very curious about it so the first two episodes are right now and uh it's really good yeah yeah, I'm. I I want to watch more of it. I'm kind of sad they didn't dump the whole thing because I was like, like they're kind of setting everything up, and I'm like, I wanna I wanna know where this goes. You know, like I can't say if the whole series is gonna be like it, but the first two episodes are definitely piquing my interest. That is good to know. That one's near the top of my list right now. <clears throat> yeah, because it's. It's very Stephen King where it's like, okay, here's kind of some paranormal kind of stuff, right? So it's like, where's this going to go, right? You know, and it's like, I, I kind of know the story of The Stand. So it's like, okay, how are you going to do this kind of thing? But uh, no, it's good. And uh, dark, like, there is some gore and some stuff. Like, if people were afraid that because it's on... What, what fucking streaming service is that on again? Uh, not one of the main ones. Can't remember. I, I have no idea. Uh, it's on one of the weird ones, I think. CBC? Or not CBC. Oh, fuck. CBS? No. Maybe it's not. It's not Peacock. It's... Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, I think the kind of fear was like because it's not going to 
you know, like a Prime or like an HBO, like, would it have that? Like, kind of, yeah. And it, it definitely does. Like, you see some stuff where, like, there was a few times where I was like, ooh, like, okay. Like, it sets that tone uh, pretty well. Where, like, uh, there's one scene, and this isn't really a spoiler, um, but I do get shot in the face. And you totally see it. Hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, it's got that grit. It's got that kind of darkness that you kind of want out of that, which I think was my fear watching it was like okay is this going to be like kind of a network kind of style where they're you know gonna play it safe like under the dome right you know here's the pg stephen king and it's not well that's that's good because that was definitely my fear before starting in on it yeah and uh the cast is really good there's a lot of people in that. Like, just to... Let's just pull it up right here. You've got James Marston, Alexander Skarsgård, Whoopi Goldberg, Amber Heard. Um, there was someone else. Apparently Ezra Miller's in it, too. Mm. But I haven't seen him yet. But yeah. Like, the cast is good. Alexander Skarsgård. I really like him. Yeah, me too. I'm a fan. And he plays, um... The, I guess, kind of main bad guy. Yeah. He's good. Alright. So, thumbs up on that one then, so far. Yeah. I really want to know where it goes. So, yeah. Check it out. I will. I actually will. It's high on my list. And there you go. You watched that, uh, that's the 2020 uh, Black Mirror Dudes thing on Netflix? Yes, I just watched it last night before bed, and it was hilarious. Was it? Yeah. It was incredibly funny, because it it's done as a documentary, but also a mockumentary. Yeah. Which was really interesting, because they had, like, Hugh Grant and Lisa Kudrow and Kamal Nanjini, Samuel L. Jackson... But they play figureheads in the show. So like Samuel Jackson plays, I can't remember the, his, the character's name, but he's recounting 2020, you know, from the perspective of like a New York's time, New York Times reporter. Oh, okay. And like Lisa Kudrow is recounting 2020 as a unofficial spokesperson for the White House. Oh, okay. And Leslie Jones is in there and she's recounting, you know, 2020 from the perspective of a psychologist and so on and so forth. So you have these like big name celebs, but they actually show you like legit uh, clips from throughout 2020, like actual news stories, like all the stuff that's happening, but then they describe it from like a comedic twist. Okay. So it was, it was really funny. I, I laughed thoroughly throughout the whole thing. I was very happy with it. Yeah. I checked out, uh, I think it was a few days ago. I checked out the trailer for it and I was like, Okay, I, I, like I kind of want to see what this is, because um, yeah. Well, it's just honestly, it's amazing how much you forget. Oh yeah, like, I can see that. Like I mean, like COVID being like you know the main thing, right? So that's kind of all you think about. And they like started off basically they start you know from January of 2020, progressing to the end, and it's like 
oh yeah, I forgot that Australia was on fire and pretty much burning to the ground. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot that we almost went to World War Three because the president assassinated like an Iranian fucking military leader. Right. Like, all these things where you're like, oh yeah, that happened. Oh yeah, that was a thing. Okay, that's that's cool that they actually plan all that stuff too, mm-hmm, and it's not yeah. just like plan on like the whole COVID thing. No, I mean COVID definitely is a big part of it, but they it's yeah, it's all the wild shit that happened in 2020 and you're like, "Oh yeah." Yep. That's cool. I uh I want to check that out cuz it seems like it's like a short kind of funny watch. Mhm. That seems like a good end of the year kind of watch. Mhm. Like let's just laugh at this fucked up year. I I think that's exactly what it was meant to be. Which, you know, if that's the case, that's cool because it's been a rough year for a lot of folks. So go out with a bang and laugh at it. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. I will check that out. But I mean, other than that, I didn't watch a lot in holiday season and all. Yeah. Well, maybe let's just get into what we thought was the best of everything this year. Yeah. And so we kind of each made made some lists and we want to just run down and kind of hit the ones that we have the same. Well, I was kind of thinking maybe we talk about what we thought was the best of TV and compare your list and my list. Sure. And then kind of like move down from there. Sure. So I didn't rank any of it except for like, I've got one that I'll say is my favorite and I'll say that is better call Saul. That was your favorite of 2020 television? Yes, it was. That show was amazing. And that season five is really good. And it was funny. I was looking, I was just looking at Rotten Tomatoes to see if I missed anything for the year. And if people want like a reason to watch it, it's sitting at like a 98% critic rating and like a 97 audience. So I'm not alone. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. <clears throat> But it, uh, I think season five of that show is where it's really starting to tie all the Breaking Bad stuff in, which I think I talked about it, um, when I was watching it. And I think that's why everyone is digging it is because it's kind of hitting its stride, kind of like how Breaking Bad did, you know, after a few seasons where it's like, okay, this is what this show is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that's my favorite. I, like we, we have a lot of shows on here that cross each other's lists. But if I had to pick my favorite television show to come out in all of 2020, it would be hands down devs. Okay. What's I, your number one? That, that would be my number one. It was just such a, such a trip from start to finish. Like it's, it's captivating. It hits you on, you know, every level from, you know, like the emotional all the way to like the analytical thinking part makes you kind of question the world around you. It's like one of those shows that like, even when the show is done, you're still thinking about the show and its impact on your life and drawing the parallels from that show to the world that you currently live in. Like it just on all fronts just hit everything, struck every single chord. And the cast was just unreal. And I'm <clears throat> incredibly happy to see Nick Offerman mm-hmm. in some like 
you know, some of these different, unique, these darker, more serious toned roles. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I absolutely love him as Ron Swanson, but I mean, to see him in this role was just remarkable. He absolutely crushed it. And like going in, I'm like, I don't understand how this is going to work out for Nick, but I support him. So I'm going to go for it. Mm hmm. And he 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 nailed it. And like I just Alex Garland, as far as I'm concerned, is just a, like a just a mastermind of great television and cinema. Like he is top tier in my books. So much of the stuff that he's written, I've absolutely loved from The Beach to Annihilation and Ex Machina is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like mm -hmm. just top tier. So when I saw Alex Garland is doing a show. And it's on FX and Nick Offerman is in one of the lead roles. I was like, yep, got to see this. And it delivered, it delivered hard. And the only heartbreaking thing is that it was a limited series. Yeah, fair enough. But that was, uh, that was hands down my favorite thing to come out of 2020. Yeah. I, uh, like, I don't think I'm as hot on that show as you, but I definitely really, really enjoyed it. And I think to me, the standout is nick offerman oh for sure like because uh, it was that kind of thing where it was like oh nick offerman in a serious role eh, i don't know how that's gonna work and then like you see him he does it and not only does he like do it well but he like knocks it out of the park so i was like yeah totally like to me that was the takeaway of that show is mm -hmm. him like he just killed it um oh. and like a pretty solid story too um yeah yeah so it's yeah. good yeah far far none my absolute favorite i would put it in my you know list of favorite shows of all time for sure right yeah. up there with like the californications and the entourage and mr robot yeah i'd be i don't think they'll do anything more with devs but like they left it open where they maybe could but I don't think they will. No, I don't think they will either. Which I'm fine with. Like, I'm fine with a, a like a really good limited series. You know, like it always sucks that it ends, but at least it ends on a high note, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. And then I'm going to talk about this one real quick. McMillions. That Ducky series was amazing. It really was. It was fascinating. Like, and it came out of nowhere because uh, it's like you read it and you're like a documentary on the McDonald's monopoly scandal. And my first thought was, oh, I didn't know there was a scandal. Yeah, that was mine too. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And then, but then you're like, okay, I'll check this out. And then it just, it's one of those crazy stories that just like, you're just like, wait, what? wait what like meeting up in parking lots to sell fucking mcdonald's monopoly pieces and it's just like fucking crazy uh, that's just hbo their docs are just so well done yeah yeah i think as far as docs go hbo is kind of crowned king and i think that the time i really realized that was i don't know if you watched it um oh what was the one the real estate guy 
who kills his wife and then ends up moving to Texas and then kills another dude and somehow keeps getting off of all these charges. Yeah, the jinx. Yes, and then um, at the very end admits. Yeah, they get a confession. The <laughs> yeah, like that was the moment I realized that like HBO is so good with documentaries is like not only did they do like an award-winning documentary, but they got a fucking confession out of the guy. It's like yeah. But and I think um with McMillions too, um the young agent that spearheads that is fucking hilarious. Yeah, he's not someone that you would be like he's not someone you'd suspect of being an FBI agent based on the way he talks and carries himself. No. But like you see him and he totally is, like he's he's a t- total agent. Um but he's like he's fucking hilarious. Um just how he describes stuff and how he kind of has that like all his bosses kind of hate him because he just kind of does whatever the fuck he wants mm-hmm. he's kind of the all ask for forgiveness not permission yeah and then at uh, that point where he uh he accidentally faxes everything to the news outlet <laughs> yeah and they're talking about it and he's like I may have hit number two on the fax machine instead of number one. And then he's like trying to like defend himself and like that whole, like his whole personality. And then, yeah, like it's, it's a documentary that tells a fascinating story and has really good personalities. Yeah, it definitely was a, was an A plus in my books. Yeah. Quite good. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. We uh we both have the outsider on here, I see. Yes. Which obviously was also amazing. And what a roller coaster that was. Not in terms of what actually takes place in the show, but just the fact that it was so flipping good that they go, Okay, we're gonna give you another one and just gets me so so pumped only for them to go, you know what, we changed our mind. Yeah. But like the outsider is as far as I'm concerned like the uh you know that's that's the bar for Stephen King books turned show slash movies series whatever you want to call it yeah like that right there that is how they should be done it is as far as I'm concerned the best Stephen King adaptation so far with the exception of maybe the stand because I haven't seen it yet and I'm not saying that the new two-part it movie wasn't any good because i thoroughly enjoyed it and thought it was amazing mm-hmm. but as far as like stretched out stephen king properties that was bar none the best turned into a into a series i'd also put um 11 and on the same level as the outsider i thought that one was done really well yes 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 it, it definitely was but it yeah was I... really good and, and franco really killed it in that for sure but i get what you're saying yeah it uh yeah i think a part of me that what i really liked about the outsider is like i had no expectations for it so like i I, and then ended up getting like totally blown away by it where i was like Mm. this is really good and i totally checked it out thinking like "Eh, i don't know that this will be my thing and then watched it and was like totally my thing so yeah it really was amazing and the cast super good we talk about just being it out of the park or as that goes 
yeah, there was like I, I, I honestly, I don't have a single negative thing to say about that that limited series. No, no, me neither. Like I, my only complaint would be that we didn't get a little bit more Jason Bateman, but I get why we don't. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah. Which, speaking about Jason Bateman, we both have Ozark. And season three was a wild one. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, definitely some of the best that the year has had to offer. Uh, yeah, I think um, one of my standouts for that third season of Ozark was um, The Brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, which he's been in a bunch of stuff, like Banshee and all that. Yeah. Like, I think he was probably one of the stronger pieces of that season. Like, he just knocked it right out of the park. Yeah, it was just, it, and it was interesting, too, because you didn't expect it. And then he just kind of, like, fell into the series and then all of a sudden was just phenomenal. Yeah. Like, to me, he stole that season. Like, he... I, I can he, agree with that. He came in and you're just like, oh, I remember that guy. And then, like, just his whole kind of arc. Just kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and talk about the uh, fucking filthy seasoned end cliffhanger. Yeah, that was I d- did not see that coming. I mean, there's lots of points throughout that show where, like, you know, I'm kind of pseudo yelling at my television, like, "What are you doing? This isn't going to go well." And then, you know, you get to the end and you're like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I they ended it, and I was like. A little bit of spoilers. Like, I didn't think they would kill that person. No, no, me neither. Like, yeah, they totally just off a mayor, like a major player throughout the whole show. And they're just like, yep. Yeah. What I think I found the most captivating about that season was like throughout the series up and up into and including season three, you really kind of see like the progression of Marty, but it's not a whole lot of progression, right? It's like, hey, I do this you know, bad thing. And then it's like, fuck, okay, I need to move to the Ozark and I'm in trouble. So I got to keep doing this bad thing, but he keeps his, you know, he's a bad guy with a heart of gold yeah, and he, and he maintains that thoroughly. And then from the beginning, you see his wife who struggles with all this. She's like, I don't support this. I don't like this. I don't want to do this, but obviously we have to. So she's just incredibly reluctant and doesn't seem like she really wants anything to do with it but is going along with it because she feels she doesn't have a choice. She knows she doesn't have a choice. But in season three, we really start to see that turn where she's going from, you know, being abrasive and against the life and the lifestyle that they are currently living to like full blown, you know, adopting it and absorbing it and becoming one with it. She like just really changes throughout that whole season. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, similar to kind of like Breaking Bad. Yes, I was like midway through Breaking Bad. It's pretty much the same transition, right? Yeah, that's exactly the comparison I was thinking to. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I think it's, I think Ozark is now at the point, like, kind of where Breaking Bad got to, right? Where it's like, okay, now we're we're in the thick of it, like. And I think the last few seasons of Ozark are probably going to be the best because mm-hmm. I think it's that transition of like, okay, you know, it's, it's the good guy, you know, kind of getting sucked into this bullshit stuff. And he's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta live with it, but I'm still a good guy. 
And then you hit that transition where it's just like, okay, this is my life now. I'm like, fuck it. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I think ultimately my prediction is by the end of season four, because I mean, that's by all accounts the last one we're getting. Yeah. Is, there's, uh, I, I think we're going to see a major character shift where where his wife goes from not only like being complicit and into this whole lifestyle, but like just fully on adopting it. And I think by the end of season four, she's going to be some sort of like, she's going to be the villain. She's going to be the bad guy. I think so too. Cause I, I think they really laid the groundwork with kind of her and the Mexican cartel boss, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're kind of on the same page. Whereas, Marty is maybe not, you know, so I, I wonder if they kill Marty. I think it, I think it comes down to that. And I think she's gonna think she's going to have a hand to play in that because by all accounts, Marty's always just been doing this with the means to an end. He's been doing all this stuff to get out of doing it. The end goal is to be able to walk away and not be a part of this. Yeah. And it seems like every time you know, he manages to get like one hand out of the hole. She digs it deeper and pushes it back in. Yeah. They're just going in opposite directions and he wants nothing to do with it. He wants to move on and she just wants to go deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole. She's becoming power hungry and money hungry. And this stuff is like, I don't know, maybe this is her midlife crisis and it's exciting and new. And that's why she's doing it. I don't completely understand her motivations, but it's definitely clear that he wants out and she wants further in. Yeah. Kind of similar to Skylar's arc in Breaking Bad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was Eric. That third season was again that like I don't think I had pretty much any complaints with that third season. No. Like where I was just like, oh that could have been done better. It was like, no, this is captivating and I want to watch all of it. And I did. And then speaking of Netflix stuff, uh, Sex Education on Netflix had its second season. Never seen that show ever, so. It's, uh, I'm trying to think of how to describe it. It's like a really good feel-good show, kind of. Like, it's kind of a comedy, like dramedy kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and the premise is basically, I don't remember the actor's name, this kid in high school his mom is like a sex therapist and uh, he de facto ends up being one for the school, like this underground sex therapist kind of thing where he's helping all these high school kids with their sex life and comedy ensues out of that. And okay. uh, yeah, it's, it's got a lot of charm. It's got a lot of heart. Like you watch it and it's yeah. You're just like, that's really funny. And then like, there's parts where it's like, okay, that's, you know, you're touching on serious, you know, issues and they do it all well. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean, a TV show called Sex Education, it's got a bunch of nudity. So, you know, if that's going to tip your scale into watching it, then you'll get that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's really good. It's totally worth a watch. And like, I'm trying to think. If it's hour-long episodes or not. It's real easy to find out. But, uh, it's solid. It's... 
just has a lot of charm. It's like, I guess, the best way I can describe it. Okay, fair enough. And they're hour-long episodes, so... Maybe, maybe I'll add that to the queue. Yeah. Like, it's it's just a good... Like, a good, feel-good kind of show. That mm. is really well done. So, yeah. Check it out. It's uh, It's totally worth a watch. And it was kind of one of those Netflix ones where one day I was just like, oh, what is this? I'll give it a shot. And then ended up binging it all in one day. So, yeah. All right, then. Well, then I would like to take a moment to address Amazon Prime really smashing it this year. (laughs) Yes. Because I definitely think they did with three, in my opinion, phenomenal shows. Okay, yep. So, I mean, obviously, The Boys, season two. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, that almost needs no introduction. Yeah, like, I, I, I feel like that should just be assumed that it's on this list. Yeah. Because it was great, start to finish. It, yeah. Phenomenal. It's more The Boys, right? Yeah. yeah. My only complaint is <clears throat> I wish they would have done a dump instead of a weekly thing. Yeah, because that is um, definitely a bingeable show. And it's one that you kind of want to keep watching, right? Yeah, I would have, I definitely would have preferred to have just kept burning through them one after another, like I did with the first season. So, yeah. But yeah, a phenomenal. Can't wait for the next season. Like, it just keeps getting better and better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really curious where they take that. Because mm-hmm. they set some stuff up, you know, with um, that dude's kid. Superman's kid. I'm yeah. just going to call him Superman because I don't remember. Homelander. Homelander. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was quite the ending too. Oh, fuck yeah. That kid fucking all of a sudden learns he has laser eyes. Yeah. And it doesn't know how to use them. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That ending set some stuff up and and it gets a little bit dark. So, yeah, I mean, if you're not watching the boys yet, you've got two seasons that you can sit down and binge through. And even if you don't care about superheroes, don't look at it as a superhero show because it is so much fucking more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like it's, it's really easy to look at it and be like, ah, I'm kind of burnt out on superhero stuff. But Mm -hmm. like, I think that's what gets people in the door is like, Hey, it's superheroes, but they're dicks. Yeah. So we're going to kill them. Right, and it's like, and then it turns out to be way more than that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was also really hot on Utopia this year, and I'm pretty bummed out that they've axed it already because I thought, I thought it was very intriguing. It was a super interesting series, and I absolutely was like right ready to go and invested. By the time they came to their conclusion, it was like I I want to know what the next part is, like what is all the rest of the stuff that's going on because they give you like a a vague kind of explanation, but you don't get the full story as to what everything is and what everything means. So I was really looking forward to that, but unfortunately that is no longer a thing. Yeah. And I think I watched two or three episodes of it. And then I think the news and like, I wasn't really feeling it. And then like the news came out that it got canceled. And I was like, eh, probably just up. not, not going to finish this. That's fair. So, but yeah, like I, I definitely see the charm of it, like that kind of constant guessing game. And yeah, like, well, 
I I the I think what I enjoyed the most was its its unique shooting style. Like just in that first episode, like that whole montage of going to the rooms and crossing the list off. Like I absolutely loved that. I thought it was just filmed and executed so perfectly. And the fight scenes they have and the choreography and it's it's bloody, it's gory, it's entertaining and at the same time humorous. Like it just it hit it checked a lot of boxes for me. So Yeah. Thoroughly enjoyable and very bummed that it's over. Yeah. And I'll agree the cinematography, like, even though I wasn't like a fan of it or of the show, like the cinematography was really well done where I was like, okay, that's you're doing good stuff there, right? Same with the fight scenes. Like that's good. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Hunters, another Amazon. Yes. Yeah, that uh, that one was a surprise for me. It was yep. not at all what I expected. Like I don't know how many times I passed by that and saw the the trailers and like read what it was about, and I thought it was going to be more in the vein of like a a serious show. Until I started watching it, and was like, nope, that's not what this is at all. Yep, it's uh, it, it kind of serious in the sense that like they're killing Nazis, but. Yes, but I meant more serious in the sense that I thought it was going to be a legit group of guys that were like trying to track them down using oh. like you know, police methods and investigation and then get them arrested. Oh, yeah, but it's totally not the, that. No, at the end of the it, what it is, is like a group of vigilantes that are like, you're a Nazi, we're going to fucking kill you. Yep. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, it was really good. And talk about uh, the twist at the end. Mm-hmm. With, uh, uh, Robert De no. Is it Al Robert Pacino. De Al Pacino, yes. Yeah. It uh, it was solid. Yeah, he was uh, he was really good in that. It was oh, good to phenomenal. See him. I, trying to think of what he did before that. I want to say I, it was like some movie that I was like, oh really? Like that's what you're doing? I think the last thing he did before Hunters was wasn't he in Scorsese's flick? Yeah, he was in that. But before that, I want to say he did some. I'm like feel good movie, mm. and I was like, okay, uh, okay, but yeah, he was totally Scorsese's one, which, yeah, and uh, oh, what's the main kid's name? I can't remember for the life of me. I hadn't seen him in much before, and he is really good. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll look it up now. Logan Learman. Mm-hmm. And I hope he's in more. Yeah, is hopefully he... this is like a launch pad for him. Oh, he's in that in that Rain Assassin movie? Yeah, he is. With Brad Pitt. Well, that's exciting. Yes. Really exciting. Oh, that's what I was thinking. He was in some Percy Jackson movie. I never saw those. Neither did I. But I want to say I that that brings back memories from when I worked at a theater right around when those movies came out, and be always familiar. I'm glad he's grown out of those. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Hunters. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's good. Amazon Prime nailed it. Yeah, Netflix also doing it pretty good this year. 
Yep. Like unsolved mysteries, which we obviously both have on our list. Yeah. That is um which like isn't anything wild or crazy, but it's just a nice reboot of the show and it's just it's just a fun watch. Yeah. Yeah, I think if uh if you like that if you like unsolved mysteries, it's really well done, right? Like it's it's that. They're telling weird stories, you know, for forty five minutes. Yeah. Right. It's and it's it's nice that it's not always like here's a murder case, right? Like I'm glad they're kind of going the old school route where it's like here's just some weird stories too, right? Because mm-hmm. that's I could see that like if it was just murders, like I'd I'd be alright with that too. But like you know what was it the first season had the the weird UFOs, right? And it was like you know you're watching it and it's like this is fucking crazy. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty wild. You know, it's those stories that you never hear of, right? Mm-hmm. You're just like, yeah, it's good. I I hope they keep up with it. Cuz it wasn't that long in between the first and second season. It was like a few months. Yeah. I don't I don't think we're going to see the same kind of uh release pattern, but I definitely would like to see them pump out some more seasons. Yeah. My like hope and joy would be like they would keep doing it like every few months or something like every three months they're like here's five more episodes like that would be my dream but Mm -hmm. i don't know if that'll be the case yeah i have my doubts but that would be slick but i just hope they keep going on with it and they don't just like do three seasons and then call it good Mm -hmm. you know because that i don't think that does the unsolved mysteries name justice no you know so i hope they know that you know buying it that hey we want to do this for a long time you know because you can right like there's millions of those stories out there yeah there's no shortage just browse reddit and you can just find all your pilots right there yeah pretty much the other the other smash netflix hit though which i think obviously needs to be mentioned is tiger king oh yeah yeah because i mean that one kind of came out of left field yeah I had never even heard of this guy and I'm pretty into like bizarre shit that goes on around the world and this one just floored me. Yeah. I think um it it, it kind of reminded me of oh, what was that other Netflix one with the the dude that had to rob a bank with a bomb around his neck. Mm, yes, I know which one you're talking about, but I can't yes. remember what it's called. It's about the pizza bomber. Yes, it like it kind of reminded me of like it's such a ridiculous story that you're like, I cannot believe what is happening next. Like you watch it and you're just like, it can't get crazier. Like it can't, and then it does, and yeah. you're just like, this is insane. Like how does it just keep ramping up, right? Yeah, well, and and not even just like a smash success and an entertaining show to watch, but it really became a focal point of pop culture for the year. Yeah, and I think that the spinoffs, the skits, the Halloween costumes, all the new shows and series we're getting based on Tiger King, Carol Baskin's getting on Dancing with the Stars, like... Yeah, like, get the fuck out. Like, I think the timing of when that show came out was like a weird golden combination where it came out like 
a couple of weeks after like the entirety of the world went into lockdown. So mm-hmm. everyone was like, holy shit, we need content and we got Tiger King. But yeah, like it was just crazy. Uh, I remember the, there was a lot of moments where I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. But like one moment um, where I had like my jaw drop was when they make the pizza place. Mm-hmm. And you're just watching it and you're like, they're like, oh, oh no, they're not using all that, all that expired meat. And then like, it's like, no, they totally are. And it's just like, fuck. <laughs> like, oh, this is fucking insane. Yeah. Just wild from start to finish. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yep. The Tiger King. Yeah. And I've talked, I won't talk too much about it, but the Mandalorian, because I've, I've talked about it as I've watched <laughs> it, but so I won't, uh, chatter yourself too much about that other than the Mandalorian is really good. That's all I'll say. Fair enough. It's, it's still something that I can't comment on because I haven't taken the time to watch yet. Yeah. No, that's fair. It's, um, yeah, I've, I've talked a bunch about it. And then another kind of smaller one is that Lovecraft Country show on HBO. Which I, I need to finish because I only watched the first episode. Yeah, it's, uh, I really enjoy that show. Like, I don't think it's this, like, it's the most amazing show that HBO has ever done. But, like, it totally surprised me. It's this weird kind of Lovecraftian horror thing that just does a bunch of weird shit. That I was totally into. Um, like it's just that. And I was it just kind of hit that note for me. Mm-hmm. It's like here's a bunch of really weird ass stuff that's happening. And you're not entirely sure what's going on. But they're going to take you along for the ride. And then yeah. It's solid. I, uh, I'm curious what they do with that show in the second season. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I I plan on watching it. I should watch it. I I was impressed with the first episode. It's just other things kind of came out and that kind of just got placed on the back burner. So yeah. But for me, another one that came out of I wouldn't say came out of left field, but really surprised me pleasantly was the latest season of Archer. Yeah, because for so long Archer was just not that good. Mm-hmm. All their whole little dream sequences I just didn't care for. And finally, finally, they listened to the fans. And with season 11, they went back to old Archer. Like the first couple of seasons, like just pure, raw, unadulterated Archer without any of these stupid fucking mystery, bizarro seasons. And it is back to its former glory. And I couldn't be happier about it. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. I'm a little bummed out because the season was incredibly short. I expected more than that. I think we only got six episodes. Oh, really? Yes, which was kind of a huge, huge letdown. But uh, yeah, I've been uh, I've been meaning to check out Archer because I like I was one of those people. Like once it got into those weird seasons, I was like, this isn't the Archer I want. So I stopped watching it. But like hearing you talk about how. Like, it's kind of back to its roots. Like, I, I really need to check it out, because 
when Archer was good back in its day. It was amazing. So if they're going back to that, sign me up. And they did. Yeah. Like I, I was ready to just completely give up on Archer. And then I just happened to be like, all right, let's read the synopsis of the new season. What stupid dream sequence is happening now? And they're like, Archer wakes up from a coma. I'm like, oh my God, is it happening? Yeah. Do we finally get real Archer again? And we did. And I, I couldn't be happier. Every and I stand correct. It was eight episodes, okay. not six, but nonetheless, I it, I was able to burn through them pretty quickly. And it's it's if you were a fan of Archer from the old days, then you definitely love the direction it's in now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been meaning to check it out. Cause that's cool that they went back to their roots. Cause yeah, that. Those off seasons, like some of it was all right, but like I remember just like going, this isn't, this isn't the archer that I want. I agree. Yeah. Well, I guess we can kind of just give a shout out to some of our honorable mentions here. Yeah. So we both had Wayne on here. Yes. Which... Is an honorable mention because it technically didn't land on Amazon until this year, but it was a YouTube original from a few years ago, so yep. not a 2020 officially. Yep. But definitely out of like all the shows I've watched, like I mean, Devs is still my number one, but Wayne was such a, a sleeper surprise that like I'd never heard anything about, didn't know what it was necessarily going to be going in, and start to finish, it was just a great time. Yeah. So yeah. well written, incredibly well acted, and it was a it was a gripping, interesting story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, it was really well done. Like you said, kind of a sleeper hit where it's like, here's a show no one's heard of, right? And yeah, because it was this YouTube original at one point, and I am mm-hmm. really fascinated to see what those people do with an actual budget, right? Yeah, I can't wait. So, yeah. Uh, Wayne is solid. Check it out. It's Absolutely. really short. Like, it, like, like it's a good, easy binge because it's like, what, eight 20-minute episodes? Yeah, you can sit down and have her done in an afternoon. Yep. I'd, I'd be curious if they keep, like, the short 20-minute episodes on a season two. I think that's kind of what makes it work, though. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how I'd feel about like 10 one hour episodes like definitely if you want to add more episodes I'm all for but I, I think that like 20 minute bite with the way the show flows I think it works very well yeah that is true now that I'm thinking about it like the pacing of it mm-hmm. is like it's really well done so I don't know that you would want to throw that off by adding more into it right yeah and it's it's one of those few shows that like with the pacing and the episode length you get what you need Right. Like my concern would be if you bump these into one hour, then all of a sudden they're starting to fill it with nonsense that doesn't need to be there. Story arcs that are irrelevant, which will just lead to continuity errors and plot holes down the road. Like the way they done it, it was like, we're going to give you exactly what you need and nothing more and nothing less. Yep. And I like that. Yeah. They don't bullshit you with it. They're just like, here's the story. Here's everything relevant to it. That's it. Mm hmm. And then I'm going to throw, this is another Amazon Prime one. I don't know if it came out this year. I think it might have. Uh, that Upload Joe. 
little honorable mention. Right. There's, that one was funny. It, it, that's why I put it in. Like, it's nothing special, but it's like a nice, it's like a six or eight episode kind of comedy thing. And like, I watched it and had some laughs and was like, that was solid. And I don't remember hearing anything beyond that. Like, is there going to be a season two? Like, I'm kind of curious if he ever gets out of the, the poor man's basement. I believe there's going to be a season two. I don't know if that's been announced yet or not. Yeah, I don't know either, but it definitely was enjoyable. And I yeah. remember you talking about it. So me and the fiance decided to check it out and it was unique. It was different and we had a good time watching it. Yeah. So they have confirmed a second season. Okay. So, yeah, we'll get more of it. Mm -hmm. I'm not, not sure when, but. But yeah, it's a nice little, like it's a nice solid little show. I agree. Like nothing to yell home about, but it's good. As far as my other honorable mentions go, I'm, I'm going to mention power and it's been, I don't know, six, seven, eight seasons, however many seasons it was. So it didn't start in 2020. It's not a 2020 show, but the series finale, that whole show came to its conclusion in 2020 and it was one of the most intense and like jaw-dropping series finales i've seen yeah like the rest of the show was really good and i i got right into it like got right invested in the characters and the plot and you know it was kind of always on the edge of your seat as to like what they're going to do and who's going to come out on top but then you get to the ending and you're just like holy shit like the very last scene, like, the last scene is the very definition of power. And they couldn't have done it any better. Yeah. And I, I fully intend on checking out these, like, power playbook, the book of Ghost, and all these other side ones that they want to do. I haven't done it yet. But, like, as far as the main series that, like, sparked this whole thing, that was one of the best final seasons I've ever seen. And... I easily top 10 series finales I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. That's what makes me kind of want to check it out now is yeah, that is I'm intrigued because it was one of those shows that like I'd heard about, but like never like watched. Like I, I think I'd saw some ads for it and I was like, yeah, that looks all right. Maybe I'll check that out one day, but never actually did. Yeah. Dude's a straight up baller. Yeah. Yeah, I I definitely want to check it out just because hearing, like actually hearing someone that's watched it and speak very highly of it, it's like okay, that's probably worth my time. So, mm -hmm. and then uh, my last honorable mention is the entirety of American Horror Story, <laughs> which uh, I went down that rabbit hole, and yeah, that, that shows. I won't talk about it a lot because I've. I think I've talked about it since we started this. But yeah, it's real good. I know, I've been saying it for years, man. Yeah, people should watch it. Um <laughs> and I think if you're on the fence about watching American horror story like I was before you told me about it, don't let it be in a horror show put you off because that's what put me off is like I was like, uh I don't know that a horror show is really my jam, but it is so much more than that. Oh, so much more. So much more. Like, 
the title is American Horror Story and it is horror stories, but like it is like each season is so much more like where they go with it and how they tie seasons in to like really weird ways. Like it's cool. It's real cool. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah, and almost serious. I can't wait for the next season. Yeah, which have we heard anything about when that comes out? No, still nothing yet. Just teasers on his Instagram. <sighs> yeah, I know. Killing me. I Trust know. me, it's killing me. So that's kind of been our TV of the year. Mm-hmm. And then I guess going on to movies, we have a lot on the same list as well, with some variations. Yeah, and it was kind of a, a shit year for movies because you couldn't really go watch them. Yeah, and then plus with so much stuff all getting pushed and delayed because of COVID yeah. and theaters, so very slim pickings there. But I mean, there were a few that, you know, a few diamonds in the rough, I guess. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, but it was it, it was kind of sad when I made my movies list because I was like, you know, like two years ago, my movies list would have been like huge. Because I was the type of person that would go with a buddy like two or three times a month to the theaters, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and like see most of the stuff that came out. And it was like, I didn't go to the theater once. Or I think I went right before everything hit a few times. But like, Yeah, I think I can count on one hand the amount of times I went to a theater in 2020. Yeah, pretty much. But I mean, obviously at the top of that list, Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I was a big fan of that. It, uh, it it hit all the numbers for me, especially being um, what was Nolan's last movie? That war one with the beach. Oh uh, yes, I know what you're talking about, but yes. I can't I, think of it. Yeah, because um, I watched that and really didn't like it. So no, like, I wasn't a fan either, personally. So like to me, it was kind of like back to like in my mind good christopher nolan where i was just like okay this is this is everything i want out of it i want this crazy ride i want crazy practical effects like him going it is cheaper to buy a 747 that is used and roll it into a hangar building and explode it because it is cheaper than the cgi yeah that's wild so it's like okay cool sign me up like his uh how he films his movies like it's it's always crazy right like the way he uses the imax camera and stuff mm -hmm. you know you, like you think of kind of his big set pieces you know and it had those right you know yeah. like you think of the big set pieces like you know um inception you know with the rotating hallway right you know and that's that's a practical thing right where they made a hallway and rotated it or interstellar where they grew their own cornfield yeah yeah and then sold it at a profit yeah you know or uh what is it the dark knight rises the third one with that that whole plane scene at the beginning like yeah. they actually got a plane and had it in the air and it dropped it <laughs> you know like it's yeah it yeah it's christopher he, nolan i think on his game he's a master filmmaker for sure And then 
we each have Bad Boys for Life. Yeah, I thoroughly, I enjoyed it. I, I personally, I thought Bad Boys 2 was better than Bad Boys for Life, but I still, I still enjoyed it. I still thought it was a fun movie, but it was, to me, it's kind of akin to Fast and Furious. It was just a dumb, stupid action movie that I enjoyed watching. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, like, Bad Boys 2 is probably, like, the best out of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I agree, like, Bad Boys for Life was like, okay, here's just a, a really good, dumb action ramp. You know, with the bad boys people, and I was totally on board. So, yeah, I, I I honestly don't have a whole lot else to say other than I feel like we're gonna get some spinoffs. Yeah, which, uh, yeah, I don't know that I want that. I don't know that I'm necessarily into it either. I was excited for another bad boys movie, and you know, like I said, I went in just expecting dumb action scenes and stuff like that, and that's what I got that's what i paid for so i i walked out pretty content but if they wanted to end the trilogy here then i'm fine with it i think the trilogy with will smith and martin lawrence is over well you never know because they said bad boys 2 was going to be the last one and then they decided they wanted another one so yeah fair enough yeah but just dumb fun yeah and speaking of which um, i'm gonna throw greenland on my list because that is the definition of dumb fun. Yeah, again, something we have to take your word for, because <laughs> seeing the trailer for that, I had absolutely no interest in watching that. It is, yeah, like I'm sure people have realized now, but like, I love me some dumb Gerald Butler movies, and that, that's what it is. It's mm-hmm. comets are coming to the earth, and Gerald Butler's going to save his family. Uh, you know, the, the plot is kind of held together, you know, like untied shoelaces but that doesn't matter because it's Gerald Butler and doing some action guy stuff and seeing some disaster porn buildings collapsing it's that Mm -hmm. and that's all it is and if you're into those it's it's good I mean if you're not into those then you're gonna watch it and be like this is awful but if you're looking for a dumbass action movie it's up there Fair. For my list, as far as dumbass action movies, I got The Hunt on there, which initially I was like, I shouldn't say initially, I was very excited about the premise. And then when it got delayed, because a lot of people were taking a political stance on it and thought it was about conservatives hunting liberals or, you know, it became a political thing. So they pushed it and then they, they changed the name of it and then they had to change the postering of it. And it was just a fun action movie. Yeah. And like start to finish, I just enjoyed it. And it had an all-star cast, albeit a large portion of them died in the first like two minutes of the film. No, really? But that's also always enjoyable to me. Yeah. And a good way to hook people because like you watch the trailer and you're like, oh, Emma Roberts, Ike Barinholtz. And then it's like, oh, none of these people last more than like two fucking minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's but always it's, cool to twist expectations like that. Yeah, and I like it's a, I kind of I like those like you know big celebrity camo cameos essentially is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is, but these like battle royale esque movies, I just I like them. You know, like yeah. everyone on an island and you got to like fight for survival. They just they get me. So yeah. it wasn't anything like wildly political. It was kind of ridiculous. There were some parallels to like real political shit going on in the world, but. 
more than not, it was just a let's hunt a redneck and oh, this is not going the way we had planned. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And then speaking, I guess action movies too. The Old Guard. Yeah, that was a that was a really good flick, actually. Yeah, it uh, like at its core, it's kind of one of those action movies, but I actually thought it had quite a bit more to it than that, like expanding out the lore and kind of how I guess the old guards come to be. Yeah, I, I went in just thinking this was going to be a Charlize Theron kind of like pseudo ancient superhero esque action movie, and it this very well could be like a recurring franchise film. And yeah. I really hope it is. Yeah, me too. Um, I hope they do more with it. And I think they I think they announced they are. So Yes, I believe we talked about that previously that they're gonna do some more. Whether Charlize is gonna be involved or not is kinda up in the air, but Yeah. But I mean, especially with that ending, how can how could you not? Yeah, exactly. Which I, I didn't add it to this list, but I just thought about now. Did that Chris Hemsworth action one? come out this year too i don't think that was 2020 i thought that was 2019 okay that's what i thought but yeah netflix and their action movies that's they're doing real good there yes they are and the old guard is no exception oh i stand corrected extraction was 2020 okay well then i'll put extraction on my list too because yeah that yes, was also that, really good. Yeah. And again, another one that they're going to expand out into a universe. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, and we've talked about it before when we've talked about these movies, but if Netflix's new plan is like, here's a bunch of like action movies that we're going to spin out into franchises, totally on board with it. Mm hmm. I'd say one that really caught me completely off guard and completely by surprise. It was just a a browse and that looks intriguing, so I'll check it out. It was mm-hmm. Inheritance. Okay. That one was a real stunner. That's the one with Simon Pegg where he's locked in the bomb shelter. Yes. Wow, what a good fucking movie that was. Yeah, I've got it on my list because you talked pretty highly of it and the premise just sounded really cool. And it was. And like, I don't know, like, you know, as someone is actively involved on like what's coming and what's going and what's airing. Like I, I don't know how this one wasn't on my radar and like, not just not on my radar, but like completely off the radar. It was literally just, what do we watch? And we're browsing through movies and I was just in the mood for a thriller and the premise looked, uh, looked intriguing. So we sat down and watched it and it, it really took me by surprise. Phenomenal movie. And Simon Pegg, the way he plays that that creepy, sadistic kind of fucking guy, and like he went full bore for that. Like he lost a tremendous amount of weight to look like someone who was actually being held a prisoner. Like his performance yeah. in that film was was one of his best performances I've ever seen. Yeah, which I think is what really intrigues me about it is seeing him in kind of one of those roles and not like his kind of more typical like comedy-esque stuff yeah and and that's he's he's typically a funny guy right they do funny comedy movies and he plays funny comedic roles and this time he was like a dark tortured soul and he played that role so well like i really hope that this you know opens a lot more doors in in the future for him to play more serious dark gritty roles yeah because he crushed it 
Yeah, it's it's always awesome to see like those people that like kind of transition genres, kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, like we talked about Nick Offerman, right? You know, and it's think of like Jason Bateman now too, right? Where like he's doing a lot of those more serious stuff, right? And it's like they're killing it. Yeah, you know. So it's it's always a pleasure to see that kind of stuff where it's like an actor that wants to try something new and they do it and then they totally kill it. Like it's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Then one that I had that kind of came out of nowhere that was pretty decent and the same thing, like just looking for something to watch um, was that bad education movie with Hugh Jackman. That was an HBO movie. So like it, didn't go to theaters or anything like it was just one of their like i don't know what you call it like hbo cable movies mm-hmm. and yeah it's about a school superintendent that embezzles a bunch of money it's based on a true story so it's kind of one of those and if you're into those kind of through life and uh recreation stories um it's solid hugh jackman is great in it as always um so if you're looking for one of those, check it out. Yeah, I remember skimming by it on on Crave there, but it didn't quite seem like it was my forte. Not to say that it's a bad movie or anything, but yeah. the plot just didn't quite uh, tickle me at the time. But I mean, when I go to watch movies, I'm typically in a mood for certain types. So mm-hmm. if that's not what I'm seeking, that, that genre per se, then... I tend to just gloss right over them. But. Yeah, and I'm the same way, and that's why I checked it out. Is like I was kind of in the mood for one of these like real-life retellings, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, check this out. And yeah, totally solid. Yeah. We both thoroughly enjoyed Birds of Prey. Yes, that's actually... I was hesitant to watch until you convinced me, and I'm glad you did, because that was a real surprise hit. Yeah. Definitely one of the better DC movies to come out in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. It's probably one of my favorite movies of the year, to be honest. Really? You'd go that far? Yeah, for sure. And it it was just a, a great time. And, um, oh, why can't I think of his name? Ewan McGregor mm-hmm. was an amazing bad guy. Like, yes. Insanely good. Yeah, I I would have loved to have seen more of him in that role. Yeah. That's like, really what did it for me. Like, I mean, Harley Quinn and her bullshit. I could have just done a whole movie with Ewan McGregor, to be completely honest. Yep. Not that I didn't care for Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, but like, yeah, I he needs to be given like his own side main villain movie that's just him because fuck was he good. Yep. He stole that movie. Like, I remember... I think it, it, it that was the only movie I watched in theaters this year. And I remember me and my buddy walked out and we were chatting in the parking lot and we were like, when you think of like movie villains that go down as like some of the all time best you've seen on screen, you know, you've got your hands grouper from die hard and stuff like that. And we were both talking and it was like, you McGregor as black mask is now on that list. Yeah. Phenomenal. Like he plays such a, charismatic bad guy that you're just you're you're sucked into it like he just 
pulls you to the screen and mm-hmm. and how he does it and yeah just crazy yeah real good real good job fingers mm-hmm. crossed maybe there's enough fan outcry that we get him you know in more they do some sort of prequel where he gets involved or i don't know or they just do a complete prequel spin-off involving him because god i would love to see more of him in that role yep he uh he was the standout i mean it's like you said like the rest of the movie was good but he was the best part of that movie hands down i think without a doubt yeah and like, speak oh, go, go ahead. ahead no go ahead i was gonna say speaking to dc also checked out wonder woman 1984 i put that on this list but i talked about it earlier so mm-hmm. i won't talk any more about it i'll just get it out of the way fair i was gonna just get mine out of the way i saw i we already talked about death to 2020 oh, which yes. was a really good mockumentary documentary style film yeah but the other one that i saw which was a prime original documentary was totally under control and it was fascinating i don't know if you've seen the previews for that or not but no it is all about the pandemic and it's basically about you know how it's how everyone reacted to it and it's centered around a bunch of professionals who are like directly involved like in the united states and in other countries that were like hey this is serious and this is what we're finding and it's kind of like this is what we told the president and this is what we told you know the fda and this is what we were trying to do and it just kind of step by step shows how absolutely poorly mismanaged the entire covid situation is via the words and the stories and the experiences through insiders who were you know there at the ground floor from the people who were getting tests but were only allowed to get so many tests and they were given the wrong tests to you know the people working in the industry who are like yes this is serious and we need ppe and you know the government going no you don't it's fine just you know put some gloves on and like a yep. real inside look to like all the stuff you didn't see. Like you only hear the headlines and Trump and so on going, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal and we're fine. And then these are the people who, you know, are the head of hospitals, the head of yep. administration and <clears throat> FDA and all this. And they're going, no, like we told him back on this day, like this was going to happen. And he said, nope. Yep. So just mind blowing to see. Like how poorly it was managed. I mean, it's. I think it's pretty obvious that, especially in the United States, the whole situation was handled very poorly, and this yeah. just like reinforce reinforces that theory tenfold because it wasn't. They played off like, oh, it was handled poorly because there was so much stuff we didn't know and all these unforeseen circumstances, and that's kind of why we ended up where we are. But you watch this documentary, and in actuality, it's like, oh no, there were a lot of people who were prepared and who were trying to do the right thing and we're trying to make sure this didn't spread like wildfire and they were shut down at every turn yeah yeah, yeah. And i think that's cool because it it's one thing i've always said it's like listen to the people that that know something about it like that are experts in their field right so it's seems like it's those people kind of explaining the parts of it right so yeah and that's and that's exactly what it was so just just an incredibly fascinating documentary and a real home run i think for for amazon i think it's i think they're doing well with the direction they're taking if they're going to do more documentaries that are like this kind of riveting and gripping and very high in production value and just well laid out i think amazon 
could be on a real winning streak if if this is the kind of documentaries they keep putting out. Yeah, that's fair. And then let's throw a little one on here. Uh The Way Back, that Ben Affleck movie. Mm-hmm. That sports movie. It was uh the movie was kinda eh, but his performance was really good. So Yes, and I remember you saying that. It's and I love Ben Affleck, so it makes me want to watch this film, but I don't know. It just it's too uh, reminiscent of Manchester by the Sea for me. Yeah. Which brilliant movie by all accounts, phenomenal acting, but it, the story was just I finished it and was like I could have been fine not watching that. Yeah, that's fair. It's uh it basically made my list cuz it was Ben Affleck like doing a really good serious performance and like doing it really well. You know, the movie is at its core just kind of a generic sports movie, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, then, the, the, oh, last, the last one I have on my list was the sequel to Borat, which a lot of people didn't like as much as the first one, but I thought it was straight fucking dynamite. Yeah. I laughed. I cried. It just... So funny. So funny, in my opinion. So many great things came out of that movie, and I was beyond happy with it. Yeah. And I know a lot of people were a little upset because it wasn't as crude and vulgar as the first one, and that's totally fine. A lot of people didn't like that this one was took a more serious stance and like obviously had a political stance baked into it, and I right. completely understand that. You know, you, you watch a... a silly stupid movie for laughs you just want to be entertained you don't want political nonsense thrown at you so i understand why some people did not view this as well as the first one but as far as i'm concerned a plus it was absolutely hilarious start to finish i was fucking in tears yeah and i don't think i will ever until the day i for till the day i die forget the fertility dance scene fair enough Fair enough. Yeah, I never watched the first Borat, so uh, I wasn't really the person to watch a Borat sequel, I guess, but I'm glad to hear that it meets expectations, I guess. For me, anyway. Like I said, yeah. lots of friends were like, yeah, it was funny, but the first one was better, and I-, I disagree. I thought this one was a winner on all fronts. Fair enough. And that's my whole movie list. Yeah, the only... Other one I have on here is I Throw in the Gentleman. Um, I, I really liked that movie. I didn't mind it. it. It was okay. I didn't put it on my list because, I don't know, I, I felt there were other films that I enjoyed more thoroughly than that Fair one. Yeah. And I like Guy Ritchie, but to me that was not Guy Ritchie at his best. No, and I will say like it's not Guy Ritchie's best movie, but like I don't think it's his worst movie either. And I... Just had a really good time with the Guy Ritchie movie. And I really like Guy Ritchie, so I was like, meh, this is solid. And I the cast, I love the cast. Yes, so. it, it definitely was an outstanding all-star cast. Yeah, like just to, and mind you, if you're watching a Guy Ritchie movie, you're probably going to get uh, an amazing ensemble cast, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, like I, I'll agree, like I don't think it's Guy Ritchie at the top of his game, but I don't think it's him at his lowest either. So yeah. 
All right, then. And that's kind of my list for the year. Yeah. I mean, it was a, a decent year in terms of movies, but obviously as the year progressed and things got more serious, all the stuff that we probably would have had on our list and would have liked to have had on our list, we couldn't because everything keeps getting pushed. Yep. But, but I mean, that just means next year is going to be better. Yeah. Hopefully. And maybe we'll just be watching it all on HBO Max anyway. Wouldn't that just be peachy? Yep. But yeah. It was a good year for TV. I'll say that. Yes, it was. It definitely was. Film yeah. took a took a nosedive as, as to be expected. But I mean, we got a lot of really great seasons from a lot of stand-up regular shows. And we definitely got some surprise surprise hits some up and newcomers that i think have a pretty bright future ahead of them yeah and i discovered american horror story which <laughs> yeah which is really good i ended up liking that way more than i thought i would it it's phenomenal man it is phenomenal yeah damn well i mean that's the news that's mm-hmm. what we saw this week, and that's what we think of 2020 in terms of the entertainment industry so far. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that pretty much wraps it up for the year 2020. Yes, I believe so. Which means uh, we'll come back with fresh eyes and hopefully more exciting news and more exciting, exciting television and films in the new year. Yes. So we'll see everyone in 2021. Yes. Cheers. <laughs>